0: Syria off fans everywhere from our nation's capital. This is cool America. Welcome back, Curve America. We have a podcast. Special episode, an interview with Bren of Case di Toti. Bren is the editor of Case Di Toti. If you are a Roma fan and you speak English, you most certainly know what Case Di Toti is. It is one of the leading websites in English in the world based on the Jalarosi. So for all the curve Americans out there, you guessed it. End of the season, final season for Francesco Toti, we are gonna do a Roma heavy interview. With one of the leading voices of the Jalarossi in English, that being Casey Di Toti. Um, I'd like to introduce this time to everybody, Bren. Bren, how are you doing, buddy? Thanks for being on the podcast.
1: My pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: So, Bren, um, I'm sure a lot of us have read your articles, um, have read Casey Di Toti articles, or are familiar with Casey Di Toti in general, but like myself, um, a lot of us are in the dark kind of it as to the background of Casey Jyoti. so can you enlighten us uh, as to, you know, kind of how the site got founded, a kind of a brief history, how you got involved, and so forth?
1: Sure, yeah. Um, my own understanding of the, uh, the exact origins is a little bit uh, murky. It was started by uh, a couple guys, um, Chris and Andrea, and they would just have these just private talks about the club, and they nicknamed it the Casey Tati, and then Somehow, some way, that uh, transformed it into an actual website back on this old platform called The Offside, uh, which covered all um, the major European leagues and the World Cup. And, and that went for a number of years, and that's sort of how I found that. I just did a quick uh, Google search one day on Roma transfer rumors, and I found it, and I was like, oh, my God, there's a site in English about Roma. <laughs> Where has this been all my life? So I started reading. I started commenting and things like that. And then um, so that was around, I'd say, 2008, 2009, I think, is when I really became like a active member on there, and then just sort of they transformed to uh, CDT uh, yeah. around 2012, and then Chris, who was running the site, put up a post he was looking for help, and then uh, myself and Jonas were the two who were selected on like a fan vote, and so I've been writing there since 2012, and I've been running it since 2014, so uh, about five years of been doing this, and. Um, I guess even the growth of this site is a little crazy to me because I, you know, 75% of the articles I've done is just, you know, me sitting on my couch next to my dog. So it's not like I'm, you know, sitting in Rome basking in the sun. It's just something I do. You know, I've eaten a big meal. I got to digest. It's like, yeah, I'll go write something. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's, it's it's very, I, don't, I put a lot of time and effort into it, but it's just not something I ever planned on becoming a thing. And so the fact that it has is very surprising to me, but, um, it's just the way I do it in that environment, which I do is very mundane. So it seems strange to me that it's spread around. But I guess, you know, that's the Internet for you. Yeah,
0: you guys are big time, man. You got the SB Nation going on. You got, I mean, I, even uh, you're, you're on the Bleach Report stream. I mean, you guys are everywhere. Anytime that there's there's some sort of, of notice in English, you can be sure that Casey DeTote is around there. Question we always ask everybody. Um here in the in curve of America we we run also the Roma Club Washington DC which is basically <coughs> a club where we go watch the games together. Um and the number one question we ask everybody is how they how did you become a Roma fan? So Brent, how did you become a Roma fan?
1: Sure. Um actually I wrote a piece on this several years ago, but the uh, long story short is um I grew up just your average American kid playing baseball and basketball for the most part. I actually hated soccer with the pretty fervent passion like when we had to play like indoor soccer in gym class we would just pick up the balls and start playing basketball so it (laughs) was something i i loathed quite frankly and then um yeah i remember the world cup 94 was the first time i really sort of uh paid attention to it just because you know um my family's italian so we would we latched onto that and i just i remember distinctly with baggio's pk going over the bar yeah didn't really resonate with me because it was just a passing sort of thing i was like oh that's sort of cool you know whatever um, I think that's – yeah, that was the year that baseball went on strike too, so it was good timing. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I just
0: – Griffey would have hit 70 home runs and the Cubs would have won the World yeah, Series. Yeah, I think so. Yeah.
1: Well, I think it was – looking like Expo's White Sox would have won, I guess. But did you read that article uh,
0: in Sports Illustrated that one year where they where they predicted the end of the season I, and it was Red I, Sox versus Cubs in the World Series? For
1: 1994? Yeah,
0: for 1994. Anyways, n- n- niche, niche Sports Illustrated article from back in the day.
1: Anyway. I would- <laughs> but yeah, uh, anyway, so I, uh, you know, it was just something I, I had to do in gym class and things like that. And I had some friends who did it and I just didn't didn't dig it. And then uh, when I got to college, um, a lot of my friends who lived in my dorm were uh, soccer players. And so they had all quit their team because it's, you know, D3 soccer. They weren't really you know, on, the, on the fast track to anything. And so they had like a rec league team. And they just need an extra guy. And so I played goalie because I would played hockey growing up as a kid. And so I started playing it. I was like, wow, this is a lot more intense than I thought. And then I went from playing it to watching it in live in person. And um, they all loved, they would stay up late at night to watch, like, Premiership and things like that. And I enjoyed it. I just, like, I couldn't get into it. I just had no bond with it. And so did a little family research, found out that my family was just from east of Rome um, on the Adriatic. And so I did a little research, so there was no Serie A team there. I was like, well, I'll be a Rome fan. I guess it's the capital. They're probably the best team in the country. <laughs> That was my that was my line of reasoning. I was going to say,
0: and and, and and too much to your peril.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it worked out well, I guess, in the grand scheme of things. But um, it was just that sort of uh, I don't want to say haphazard because I really wanted something that had some sort of familiar connection. And um, once I found out about you know Tati and De Rossi and Cassano, all these guys, I'm like, "Gosh, this is kind of cool." Uh, yeah, and then I just sort of spawned into an obsession. And um, you know, I never my wildest imaginations that I'd be writing about soccer, let alone becoming um good at it i
0: suppose yeah if they they had asked you high school you do you know that you're going to be the editor for a uh website that is dedicated (laughs) to an italian soccer team you'd have been like right
1: no i think my aspirations when i was younger was i wanted to play second base for the cubs um well that didn't work out i had a brief sort of dalliance where i wanted to host the prices right um (laughs) so upset about about that one but no soccer was just never in my wheelhouse but
0: um (laughs) I had a I had a a short lived uh, aspiration to be a game show host as well. After Saved by the Bell did that episode, where Zach Morris said his aspirations were to be a uh, were, were to be was to be a game show host. So I'm like, hey man, if Zach wants to do it, I got to do it as well.
1: See, I I couldn't get down with him. He was cocky. Oh, <laughs> uh, you you were you
0: yeah. your you team Slater.
1: I don't know, man. I, I, I just thought it was always absurd, even <laughs> as a kid. I'm like, how how can you play every single sport the school offers? There's got to be some overlap there. <laughs> but I did love how the uh, the basketball courts in that show were like 10 feet long.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it, se- it, it, it seemed like you could just dunk. Anybody could dunk. The game was too easy. Yeah, kind of a similar story to me, too. I mean, I was your your typical American dude, football, baseball, basketball. And again, also, like, hated soccer. I remember mm-hmm. when I moved to Rome saying... I vividly remember saying soccer sucks <laughs> and then <laughs> for some reason it gets a hold of you and then, you know, living in Rome for yeah. so long and it's, it, it, it just it, yeah, you're, you said it right, it spirals into an obsession um, and then you have this, like, wondering why you're going crazy for these Italian soccer players that live, you know, 5,000 miles away when, you know, they're going down the wire against Genoa at the end of the season. Um, like, why why am I so into this? I don't know. It's 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 just a part of me now.
1: Well, yeah, I just that's what I was saying. To me, it had a little more authenticity than just slatching on to, you know, Manchester United or Chelsea. It just seemed yeah. a little...
0: Oh, I, I openly you know, i openly mocked those people. I'm like, oh, it must be really easy to be a Chelsea fan, you know, starting yesterday. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, you got you to start somewhere. I Again, on that piece I wrote many years ago, I, I do in my closet right now I have a Ruven Estoroy, United jersey. He was just one of the first guys I really liked. So, I mean, I had that brief sort of premiership thing, but it just didn't, didn't do it for me.
0: Yeah, I, I'm very happy that I never once had to buy a DeRossi Chelsea jersey or something like that. I'm very happy that, he's, that the, the yeah. man's sticking around and has stuck around his whole career. Um, mm-hmm. Shifting gears to current events, um, you watched the Champions League final yesterday? Absolutely. Do you think what, what's, what's your opinion? Do you think it was a drubbing or do you think that Juventus just got unlucky um, in a couple instances because Real Madrid is Real Madrid?
1: Oh, I mean, those two of those goals were deflected, right? So, yeah. But, I mean, in, in that sense, it's, I think, comeuppance because so many times we get, you know, just the twist of fate and things like that. Um, I don't know, the first half seemed pretty even. And you, you would figure that uh, Mandzukic goal would give them a lift because it was just so absurd. But, I mean, the second half, they just sort of came out, ran all over them. So I don't really think Juve had a chance, deflections or not.
0: Yeah, did we see, I got a text, did, did Buffon just give up more goals in the Champions League final than he did the entire tournament leading up to that. I
1: didn't Yeah, I, I didn't realize that they only what allowed three throughout the whole thing. Yeah, that seems absurd to me.
0: A lot of a lot of shades of the 06 World Cup team or or parallels that you made me kind of think that Juventus was a team of destiny. But I did on the podcast pick Real Madrid to beat them, but I didn't think it was going to be four to one. So I know that you primarily cover. Roma, but covering Roma means that you have a big watchful eye on Juventus. How do you see Juventus coming back from this? Do you think they, do you think they blow the thing up or or do you think they go crazy and try and spend a bunch of money? Um, what do you think the next steps for them are?:
1: Well, I, I woke up this morning to a headline that they made 109 million off of that, so I could imagine <laughs> could reinvest a substantial portion of it. Um, see, I mean
0: Wayne has a younger brother or something <laughs>
1: Well his brother he has a brother who got up to something this morning apparently it was spouting some nonsense on Twitter from what I saw, but um
0: Oh it's always the brother.
1: I, yeah. I just I mean until someone proves otherwise, I mean the league is theirs.
0: Uh-huh. I just
1: don't I mean, I know that the difference this year was only four points, but I mean with everything that we're being privy to as far as rumors go, I can't see Roma closing that gap. Um so I, I you know, the league is just their their smallest challenge, so I would think they're gonna invest in Really aim towards winning that Champions League, so we'll see.
0: So, do you think that this, uh, this, this taste of blood, them being there, you know, twice, getting so close, what, are, <laughs> what, are, what are the odds you given, given them for next year in the Champions League? I know it's a weird tournament; yeah, and anything can happen. But
1: yeah, it, it's it's hard for me to do a real dissection of Juventus because I, I do obviously because my duties at the side. I have to keep a tabs on the league as a whole. But my, you know, the bulk of my energy goes to focusing on Roma, so I don't know all the ins and outs of as terms of like their personalities and things like that but I, I would have to imagine if that it truly is Buffon's last season because he says he's going to retire after the World Cup next year I would think if that gives if anything would give them added motivation you would figure it would be that
0: Yeah well and if you're a Roma fan just, there's, there's only two things you need I to just, know about Juventus is that they're owned by the Agnelli family and they cheat right
1: <laughs> Yeah I, I would just think Buffon's going to give them so much more motivation but I just don't know like who the you know who the beating heart of that team is outside of him. I don't see like a De Rossi or a Nagalon who would sort of get in people's faces and push them through the whole year. So, I mean, I would imagine the quarterfinals at least. I would think would be pretty easy for them. Yeah.
0: Well, changing gears to the team that you do know and love. Um, a lot of uh, uh, a lot of news <coughs> coming out of Rome uh, recent, as recently as today. Um, I know that my. Group text feeds have been blowing up, and my Twitter feed's been blowing up because it looks like Salah or is a done deal. Salah is going to Liverpool for forty million dollars, uh, or sorry, forty million euro. Um, it's all this. It's funny money. It's all the same. Doesn't matter. But uh, right. you know what? What? What's your take on that? Salah going to uh, Liverpool for forty million. Good move. Bad move.
1: Um, I don't know. I've I've seen it going back and forth twice now. I mean, I we had this uh, Domenico Berardi story scheduled. Just, you know, hey, he's a potential replacement. Then, boom, the headline came out that they sold him. And then about two hours went by and said, hey, not yet. So I don't know. Uh, But, I mean, obviously, they have to make, what, $30 by the end of the month. Um, And it seems like, based on everything you read, it's either Salah or Rüdiger. So it's, would you prefer getting rid of Salah, who was such a huge part of everything they did, selling him abroad, or would you rather sell Rüdiger to Inter? So do you want to strengthen a direct rival? Even though in my opinion, I think Ruger's easier easier to replace him because they have Manolis and Fazio and things like that. Um, I just, in my opinion, I think it's a bad idea just because he's been so integral to everything they've done in the past few years, and he's only like what twenty four years old. Yeah, he's twenty four. So, even though yeah, he looks no, thirty, looks like he's
0: thirty five.
1: He does. He looks like he's led a hard life.
0: Him and him and Frank, but, him and Frank Kessie, I think could probably tell us about the sixties. Yeah.
1: Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but, I don't know, just to me forty million seems low and I mean I think if Monkey's whole you know reputation was built on really, you know, bilking teams, I would think fifty would have been at least the starting point, so I'm a little disappointed in that. Um
0: Yeah, a guy who what do you have, sixteen league goals, twelve league assists, and missed a month for Akon. Like
1: Yeah, that's true too. That's a good point, yeah. So I mean he clearly one of the best players in the league, so I you don't replace that easily. Anyway, I had, think sorry, go ahead. No, I would say if I had my brothers, if you had to get forty million, I'd rather sell Rudiger, the guy who's had multiple injuries, as good as he might be. I just think there's more in house to replace him.
0: Yeah, you never know what's going behind the scenes with Salah. I mean, you can see him kind of trying sure. to maybe push the move, so he because he wants to make another run at the Premier League. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, but I mean, you know, he just has that X factor that is almost impossible to replace, and that's you know his speed, obviously. That you know, the guy is is noticeably faster than everybody on the field, so he's able to wreak havoc. And when his touch is on, and when he can put the ball where he wants, you know, he's he's one of the more unstoppable players, I think, in all of global soccer. Um, I mean, yeah, you know, and I, as he ripped up I all just, the Africa, all the African teams.
1: Yeah, I would like say the only other thing in recent memory i think is gervinho gervinho was really fast but he didn't seem to be quite as effective to him it just seemed speed 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 there was no real technique or point to it just to run but i never got that impression with salas oh
0: those those dark months with where we watched (laughs) first slip away with rudy garcia and it seemed like our whole plan of attack was have gervinho run really fast at some and hopefully it'll come come off some body part and go in the goal
1: I feel like he had one good stretch, though. But yeah, it was just, he was just—he was a one-trick pony.
0: Yeah, uh, but it was always good for a laugh, though, when his head head dress popped, or his headband popped off, and you got yeah. t- that <laughs> that receding hairline, which has got to be top five greatest soccer dudes of all time, for sure. But he hit—he hit it well. <laughs> so Berardi, um, we had Salah's Let's say Salah's out, and we get our pick. Um, of players to come in as a winger to replace him. I know Berardi, he's had a lot of injury history, but when he's healthy and when he's confident, I mean, he's, he's a, I think he's an incredible player. I mean, we were, we had high hopes for him at the beginning of this year after Sassuolo's run last year on the podcast. Um, you know, everyone loves a good underdog story and have this, you know, 21 year old Italian kid ripping it up, um, you know, for a Sassuolo team, almost even putting them on his back. Do you think that he is the investment we need to make, or is there somebody else you have an eye on?
1: I mean, I don't necessarily see him as a direct replacement for Salah, but he is a good pick regardless. I mean, he's a little more versatile than Salah, and I think he's younger. And, you know, he might profile more as a number 10 than an actual winger, but I certainly think he's someone you want to have. My only worry would be could they play the same way if they just plugged him in with him and Dzeko and Paradi and El Shaarawy? Would it be the same? tactics would be the same formation, would it be the same effectiveness? Uh, we might worry, but he's just sort of a guy who can do so many things. I think if you have a chance to get him, you have to.
0: Yeah, I mean, when he has run the form going, he's, you know, he's scoring four goals in one game. I don't care who you are. Mm-hmm. That's that's, that's right. incredibly impressive. Um, who else Who else around uh, the Serie A or in global soccer are you keen on coming to Rome, or are we just way too early in the crazy season uh, <laughs> to even be discussing this?
1: Uh, I think it's I think it's a bit earlier, but I think most Roma fans are pretty hard on for Pellegrini. Yeah. Um Pellegrini and Palatano to bring any of those kids home I think would be great. Um I don't know, I feel like any time I've tried to make up my own transfer rumors it never goes well. Like I <laughs> really for years I was like to get a backup striker I thought Thoreau would be perfect because he's big, he's can move pretty well, he's versatile, but I just never made that move and then the one I really picked a few years ago is uh I can't ever pronounce this guy's first name, but Mustafi. Yeah. The German guy. Mhm. I just thought, the year he had, I think it was with Sampdoria, I think he was just so amazing. And I would look at his stats, I'm like, this guy is unreal. And so I made a whole piece about him just on a whim, really. And uh, lo and behold, he became pretty good. Uh, but I, I just, you know, it's the season's been over for weeks, so I think it's a bit early. But I would think Pellegrini and Berardi would be a good start for me.
0: Yeah, you know, we were talking a lot on the podcast that, uh, you know, there's so many good young players in Italy. And I know that, you know, Diatsuri yeah. playing San Marino, is not a great test but to see that team only have two <laughs> players over 27 and just you know completely destroy them um, with all these right. young italian stars the one thing roma has seemed to be lacking is the young italian star um, yeah absolutely that it, it, you know when you see guys like totti you know right off in the sunset and de rossi you know probably his last contract with roma and how Roma was be able to be invigorated by a local you know young talent, and then even like the the academy that Rome has one of the top academies in Italy, you know when we had to plug in Daniele Verde you know a couple of years ago when we couldn't when we couldn't buy a goal for you know all the all the gold in the sultan's vault um that uh it, having a young Italian player to kind of build around in the Italian league is is something we're lacking, in. and I agree. I think Pellegrini um, could have give great contribution. I think Berardi, as long as he's able to stay healthy, um, you know, would uh, uh, would be a great would be a great addition if you know if we have to pick somebody up. What about our What about our man? We call him Kenny Chesney. Um, he thinks his tractor's <laughs> sexy. Voyager, Kenny Chesney. Um, no shoes, one. no shirt, no problems. Kenny Chesney. What what's what's the stuff about him going to Juventus?
1: Oh God, yeah, I, that was the late news this week. Um, I mean, I guess it makes sense if Buffon's moving on in one year, you might as well get. I would say the next best keeper in the league, but I mean, you got to wonder if Vojtich, uh, I believe it's how you say, it, would want to waste a year of his prime to mind on Buffon. So I think that's you know the big. Uh, puzzle for him uh, if you look at both his top suitors would be UV and Ar- and Arsenal either way he's gonna be sitting behind Buffon or Czech. so I don't know I-, I would love to have him back, but I also think Allison's gonna be great so it's sort of you know Not quite six one half a dozen the other because white just so much better than Allison right now, but mm-hmm. I don't know it- it's a pickle and I, I think um in a strange way, they did such a good job of covering that base that it's made this problem. But I just don't see them dropping 16 million on a goalkeeper. So I think it's Allison and then I've heard whispers of uh, Marante as the backup, which I think that'd be fine. Um, but you just you know there's always a nervousness if you turn the keys over to a keeper who's never played a full year in Europe, let alone Serie A. So that's watch. Yeah. Uh, I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, but I I, just...
1: I, I I I can't picture Chesney on Juve. It's just it'd just be too weird. I can't picture him volunteering to sit down for a year. So well, as long, he might have no, no idea
0: as long as he keeps the hilarious rum of commentary leaves that stuff to to the professionals like me and you, and you know stays <laughs> off stays off the the Kenny Chesney show, which I have to admit. i, I kind
1: of, kind of enjoyed that cause oh, I, just, I, I
0: very much enjoyed it I was like this this yeah, guy is doing exactly what I would want to do and he's crushing it with yeah. such ease
1: it's just every all my exposure to him is just in writing, so it's just it's strange for me it's cool for me to hear the the varying levels of English they have but it's all very impressive. I mean,
0: yeah, I mean, he, he it is is Kenny Chesney, the Polish guy on the Vespa outside I the train station that, came, that that tries great that tries to uh, you know pick up the tourist girls and drive them around the city. He seems like that kind of guy. He says, "Hey, I'm I'm, I'm you, you want to ride on my Vespa?" That's that's he that's,
1: just he just always looked like the the doofy dude to me, like the guy who would just you know, wear a polo shirt tucked in and like just, you know, the white new bounces. He just seemed just yeah. like a goofy
0: floppy socks, fanny pack.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, this year he was so great. I found it hard to to nitpick at things like that.
0: Yeah. You know, he has those games where he, you know, can have an absolute howler. But this season is right. As as the season was progressing, we were all like, wait a minute. Is Kenny, yeah, is Kenny the man? I mean, it's such like a turnaround from last season with him and Jekko like Jeco last year was oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely atrocious and at the beginning of this year, you know, the guys on the pod, well Marco and I Chris is still he's he's still not convinced on Jeco, which okay, <laughs> I guess. But we were you know, we were Jecko team Jeco 2016 2017 we're like this year is the year he's going to he's going to break out but <laughs> the, yeah, I can't it, be- I, I t- can't believe that those two were the guys that were you know at, at both ends of the field were the ones that were ripping it up because if you'd asked me last year if I thought that would be the case, it would have been asked like asking high school Bren if he thought he was going to be an editor of an of an Italian soccer uh, uh, Roma soccer page.
1: Right. Yeah. Exactly.
0: <laughs> well, going to off the field um, to the front office, I guess the side of the field. I, I, you know, my soccer euphemisms. I try not to adopt the English ones too much. Kind of come up with my own, <laughs> but um, D, uh, De Francesco. You know what? What are your thoughts? It seems like he's the guy. I haven't heard any other names being floated out there. He won the Scudetto with Roma as a player. You know, he he brought Sassola to Serie B um, and to, you know to the Europa League. But you know, obviously, everything with Roma, we can't just be like this is. I mean, I think Lionel Messi could come to Roma, and some people, Roma fans, would be like, I don't know if he's the right fit. Um... You know, what are your thoughts on Di Francesco coming to Roma?
1: Uh, I mean. As a writer, he's certainly the uh, the easiest choice. I mean, the story writes itself, honestly, because he's, you know, like you said, he played for them during their greatest period of success, and he has the link to all these young Roman players on loan that we all so desperately want back, so that's the easy choice. Um, the only ones I've heard, there was, you know, Laurent Blanc started around, you know, Thursday, Friday, that started popping up. Um, there is the guy from Dortmund, whose name I can't pronounce, yeah. Tuchel, Tuchel, not sure how you pronounce that, yeah. but... Um, I mean, just on town alone, I think he would leap to the front, but, you know, his departure from there was a little hazy as to what exactly went wrong. So, you know, it seems like it might be a risk. And then there's Sousa and then a gaggle of other people. So I would think different. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, I mean, for my money, I would uh, if I had to rank my preferences, I'd probably go Blanc. EDF and then the uh, Dortmund guy. I would just say Tuchel. Tuchel. I'm not sure how you say it.
0: Yeah, the the guy after Klopp. We'll, we'll stick with that. Um, yeah, what, there you go. Yeah. So wh- I mean, what do you want out of the next Roma coach? Like what what what? Who do you you know? Luciano <laughs> Spalletti.
1: Uh, you
0: know he a uh, 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 polarizing guy. You know we we had some success on the field. You know we went to 87 points, which is great. You know we mm. secured second. We won some big games. We have the Capocannonieri on the team, um, but then at the same time, dude, those Porto games were just insufferable. Again in the Europa, yeah. we should we, we lose by not marking Lacazette, um, and uh, you know getting just waxed out um, by by OTFR, which we do not say their their actual name on the pod uh, because we don't like to swear. There's Roma, and then there's the other team from Rome. So if oh, okay, you do say gotcha. the if you do say the L word, um you sure. you will be fined and have to, you know, mail some money uh to, to uh, Curve America Inc. But you know, getting beat by OTFR, you know, I guess we we did win one of them, but a meaningless victory in the second leg of the Copa Italia. Yeah. And one of these losses being the second derby, which was the day after my wedding, which I was at with eighty-five Roma fans that I brought from oh, the nice. States and we get waxed out 3-1 by OTFR, and perhaps the worst game I've ever seen. Um, sure. It was so bad that after the game, my Aunt Jan fell and broke her femur. So, I mean, we're just going to leave that there. Um, but uh, I, they caused it. I'm, I, I'm convinced. But anyways, really? <laughs> you know, so we long story long, we got all these ups and downs with Spalletti. But the one thing Spalletti mm-hmm. seemed to have was, a lot of respect in the locker room? I mean, you, with the comments uh-huh. that DeRossi's had this past week, well, since, his, since his departure, all, I mean, Monkey, man, I think Monkey wants to, you know, rent a two-bedroom apartment with uh, with Spalletti, and, you know, they'd be best <laughs> friends forever. You know, what do you want out of the next Roma coach?
1: Uh, I didn't want there to be a next Roma <laughs> coach, quite honestly. I had, uh, when I really became a serious fan of the team, he was running the show, so he, in many ways, sort of painted my a uh, picture of what Roma was supposed to play like. Um, so I was, you know, hoping against hope that they would somehow hash this out and he would stay. Because um, I, you know, compared to Garcia, he's just so much more flexible. Um, I don't think there's any other way to put it. Uh, you know, obviously not what you want as someone to play youth because he just doesn't like to do that that often. So that's, you know, he's like any other coach's drawbacks. Um, but I guess out of what I want of the new coach, I would just say um, Flexibility. Because I, I think, you know, we got so locked into Garcia's four three three, and by the end it just didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, so somebody, somebody who's flexible, somebody who can work within a budget, obviously, and uh, someone who's not afraid to give Paredes some run or to try some of his younger players. But just someone who can come in and just keep things going because what they have assembled right now is really good. I just hate to see a step back because someone comes in and wants to radically change everything. So as close to a Spalletti clone as we can get, <laughs> I hope. Who that to... might be, I don't know.
0: Yeah, can we just get like like Bobby Valentine, like Spalletti with like a fake nose and glasses and mustache? There you go. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, um, the Roman and Inter never seem to be playing at the same time. That kind of stuff. We could, we could, we could, yeah, we could works. do a Spalletti <laughs> parent trap. Um, you know, with with Spalletti, say the ups and downs. Um, would you think that uh, you know him and the front office just like were out of sync? Because I, I, you know, the, the, like I read in your article about the the, the transfers or the or the, sorry the guys we have out on loan. You know, mm-hmm. like Gerson, Gerson. Uh, you know, we we bring him over and and uh, Grenier. Like, was it yeah. was it necessary at all that Grenier even came over in the in the January transfer window? Because, you know. I think he spent more time, you know, uh, uh, in, a, in a training suit on the sidelines than even Spalletti did. He would even throw a suit on every once in a while. So, I mean, what what do you think the the thought process behind with Spalletti with having these people come to the team like Grenier and then just absolutely zero playing time?
1: Right. Um, I mean, they definitely failed him over the winter. They brought nobody in. So I just assume I don't know if it was just a token here have this French kid or if it was just you know the only loan they could complete within that time frame, but I liked Grenier, I thought he had a purpose, but uh, so I was a little bummed that they didn't bring him back, um, so I, I don't know if necessarily if there's a disconnect, I could see how you might say that last year when he's brought in midway through the year, but I mean, he did such a great job with Paradi and El Shirawe. Mm-hmm. it didn't really matter if they weren't if they weren't the ones he wanted, um, but yeah, I mean, they definitely let him down with the winter, but I'm just, you know, everything I read about him, everything I always sort of thought all along was that he just this whole year with Tati and retiring and how much should he play him and not play him it really seemed like he warned him it seemed like that sort of beat him down and robbed whatever love he might have had for coaching the team so I don't think he'll ever convince me otherwise I think this that just weighed so much on him and he had you know every press conference always was turned back about Tati's playing time and things like that you know which isn't necessarily you know a correct question every time he you know, obviously had a record-breaking season, so he didn't really deserve to be land based like that every week. But given the circumstances, it was inevitable, and it just seems to me that that got to him and sort of this opportunity to go to inter presented itself. So why not? I guess I'm as disappointed as I am,
0: I guess um, I don't know if it,
1: I don't know if it was necessarily a disconnect. I just think he got burned out.
0: Yeah, I guess you know each every coach has that that streak of, of ego or narcissism to themselves yeah. that like, you know what I can be the guy that turns inter around, you know, like that where everyone else failed, I can succeed. It looks like I am gonna get a bunch of more, way more money than I've ever been given anywhere else to buy yep. shiny new toys. <laughs> um, you know, so uh, I, we're, we're, I guess as we're talking about spilettian, and like the last topic I want to get into, obviously is the, the the church that you worship in, um, on a daily basis, uh, that being Francesco Totti, because the, the, this crux of this like Spalletti Totti back and forth and, uh, you know, just, just how it was handled and, uh, uh you can kind of get your thoughts because, you know, the way I look at this is on the one hand, you know, you can kind of feel for a guy like Spalletti that, you know, the, the, the press is going to come in and question all his, um, all, all you know, every single thing he does with Francesco Totti, um, that you know, I think after the Milan game was when it really kind of broke for him. That he you doesn't know, he didn't, he didn't mm-hmm. put him in at all when the whole stadium was chanting for him, and he's like, "Look, mm-hmm. I don't I don't work for you." But on the other hand, you know, what questions does he think he's going to be asked if he is the yeah. coach for Roma on what could very well be Totti's last season, which it turned out to be that way. And and you kind of might think that it's like. Maybe we could be a little bit more professional and put the violins away, everybody, and you know not not have so much emotion involved in this. But then you remember that this is Italian soccer, and it, they're not going to do anything unless there is an enormous amount of emotion. So we have these three pieces: management, Totti, and Spalletti. And it looks like the management wants Spalletti to stay to the point that they were willing to, in some of your articles, say that force Totti out. You know what 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 was your take on this whole thing, you know, hearing Toti's speech when he said that, you know, I never, I never, you know, I didn't say anything because it was weighing on me. You know, other things that Spalletti said, the way things played out with the management. What's what's your take on kind of how all this end of the season Toti stuff was handled? (laughs) An extremely long question. And uh, here you go. Solve this for us, Brent, please.
1: I mean, there's there's fault in all three parties, but I, you know, in a strange way, I would say I do admire Split in a way that he sort of, you know, for lack of a better word, had the balls to push Tati aside. I guess you can't say it didn't work because they got 87 points. I mean, could it have made a difference in some of those draws? Yeah, probably. But I mean, I always said, you know, whoever whoever was in charge during his final year really sort of had, you know, had to have an iron constitution, I guess you could say. So in that respect, I tip my hat to him. But um, this whole thing was a mess. Um, I mean, you read Tati's uh, release there when he had that specific word, last time I can wear a jersey and things like that. It became clear that he was forced out. And you look out just the very night after his big ceremony, he was out to dinner with his family and his friends and says, I'm going to keep playing. And so just to me, I'm not a huge conspiracy theorist sort of person, but um, you connect the dots and it seemed to me like they were forcing him out. And I suppose the ironic part is they thought, they being the management, thought, hey, if we get rid of him, we'll remove this big stressor from Spalletti, and Spalletti will stay. And, well, look where how that turned out. Look where we are. I just think it was a mess, and it wasn't befitting any of them. I think if they I, – I just don't know. The thing that still catches me is that he can still play. I always sort of equated him to, like, if he was like an old Ray Allen. You know, mm-hmm. Ray Allen could come out, shoot threes, pass the ball a little bit, but he's not going to play defense. He can't run like he could. Or if I flip it around to baseball, he's sort of like – Maybe like an Adam Dunn or Kenji Morales, someone who just takes a walk, gets on base, but when he gets a hold of one, it's going to go far. So he's had this one finite skill, which is his ability to pick out a pass to make other people better. He could still do that better than anybody on the team. So if you put him on the pitch for fifteen to twenty minutes, it just seemed clear to me that he's the best with his ball. He's the best one with the ball at his feet, and so there was still he could still provide his service better than anybody else. So to me and to us at the at the crew there, that's what was the most frustrating part because he could still do it. He's not you know, plodding along out there, and people criticized that he would take away with, and he'd sort of leave them liable to counterattacks and things like that, to which I would argue, well, that was always the case because he's never the fastest guy out there. He was just the most intelligent, the most intuitive, and I don't think that sort of went away yet. So that, to me, was the biggest tragedy. He could still do this, but I there's blame all around. I think they never should have got to this part. They should have just hashed it out with him and said, if you're okay with coming back, knowing full well that you can only play, you know, eight, 900 minutes a year, can you stomach that? But just the way, I mean, when I watched that ceremony at the end, I was just disgusted. It just, to me, it was just like such a farce, knowing, like when Pallotta came out and gave him that uh, oh, frame yeah. thing, it's like, just like you, like, I don't know what your swearing policy is on here, but I would just, it was just disgusting to me. Yeah. yeah it's just, it's, you it's, can't have it both ways. When, yeah.
0: When he went out and gave him the hug and the kiss and all that, it looks to me like he wanted to get a picture that he could put up in his yeah. office somewhere
1: absolutely absolutely I mean I went on a huge rant about that whole thing and it was just you know in the in the spur of the moment I was just so disgusted about him like how could you push him out like this and then sort of at the end try and revere him and prop him up like that just it was just a blatant move to me I mean Plata you know would be a good political maneuver I suppose but um I mean he wasn't the player he was for sure and uh but, I mean, he's, he's not bigger than the club. I, that was the argument people would always throw at me. But, I mean, he's different. There's literally no other athlete who had this sort of relationship with the team and with the city and, and did things so well. Like, I'd always try and, I, you know, again, years ago I wrote a piece trying to compare him to American players. And, like, the best one I could come up with is just imagine if Derek Jeter was born in the Bronx and did everything he did for the Yankees. Mm-hmm. But the Yankees weren't the Yankees. And every year, like, the Dodgers tried to buy Jeter or whatever, and he kept turning down to me. That warrants a little extra special attention. If you got to bring him on for one more year, he's earned it. I mean, who other than him would have earned that right? Well, so I mean, that to me what really cried in my gears. I guess to sound like Peter Griffin.
0: Well, and the, what I could understand is—is—is is, is, not Didn't we hear this track play? Haven't we heard the song before? We well, didn't yeah, you go through absolutely. all of this last year, like when mm-hmm. the the Spalletti Totti stuff, the Spalletti toti stuff, and then of course Toti comes out and you know saves our season single handedly, yeah, and. I mean, we didn't learn anything from this. Like, there's no adults in this room that, like, Toti's the player, Toti's the one that when all of you are washed away, that everyone's going to remember. Like, he is Roma. And my kind of thought was is, you know, I go back and forth on this even with myself. I'd love to be the kind of guy that's like, here's my hot take, here's my hard line, and I'm just going to stick to this. You know, that, like, sooner or later, obviously, Toti's can't play anymore. And he does look slow out there, but you're right. He's a, he can pick out the passes. He still has a rocket when and and you know is absolutely the Iceman in the penalty box. So I, there are all those things that that you know that that go into that. That and what I, what I kind of thought was is when they went all through this and this season, um, you know he's coming on as a super sub. It seemed like a role that he somewhat embraced. Like there were some grumblings here and there. But um I agree. I think you could have gone to him and be like, you're not gonna start anymore. You're gonna be a super sub. You're gonna be Miroslav Close. Oh, no, I'm editing that part out. Um, you know, <laughs> you, you're gonna play that super sub role. Good comparison um, though. You know, you're gonna you're gonna play that super sub role and you know, we, we're gonna we're gonna use you when we need that extra spark. Um yeah. I feel I feel like, you know, he he probably been like, okay. You know, is, does it still say reserved for Francesco Totti in my parking spot? You know, is there a number ten over my locker over there? Yeah, I'll come p- collect a paycheck and and still play for the team. And so I was I was so dumbfounded by why the need for all this drama to like push him out as a gesture to Spiletti or something. I mean, it, I just I thought it was pretty poorly handled, especially for somebody who deserved a lot more.
1: Yeah, I just think if you if you could have dropped the worst case scenario, that was it. They all came out looking bad. So I you know, I'm at a loss for words honestly. I just know my visceral reaction to it was I was disgusted by it. But I mean he's not without blame, so I don't wanna whitewash the whole thing. It was just the the worst way it could have ended. Uh, and to, you know, put the cherry on top, they didn't get to keep the coach they wanted, they didn't win anything. So it was just over three. Terrible.
0: Um what do you think do you think he's gonna continue to play somewhere, or do you think he was going to come to the realization that you know not even playing in the m l because I've heard him like he say told his friends he wants to play at miami like what is your, does, yeah. your wife, does your wife want you to take that job like you know what not even not even the top yeah. tier of american soccer
1: yeah, i know he I know he's vacation there, and we had a, a talk about this behind the scenes, and someone put it uh, kind of succinctly, it's like, well. I just view it like he moved to America and he's playing in a rec league for fun, which is essentially what it'd be I mean even at forty years old I would think the golf and talent between him and someone in the I don't even know what it is, is the USL? i I'm not even sure what it is, would be yeah. you know, pretty large. So I, I I would watch it just to see what it would look like, but I I don't know. I have a hard time picturing him doing that. Granted, I mean, you know, I would say I don't know him of course, but yeah. um I just I can't I can't see that. That's such a, a huge jump. I mean, I thought Hey, go play for uh, you know New York City. Play with Pirlo. That'd be kind of cool. Just from, you know, a, a pure, uh I don't know what the word I'm looking for. Just out of a novelty, just to see him and Pirlo playing together. That'd be kind of cool. But just to to go all the way down to the minor leagues in America seems too strange for me to be true. But I mean, if that's what he wants to do, he's earned the right for sure. Yeah, um, he just,
0: I, doesn't,
1: I, he just doesn't, he doesn't. He doesn't seem like an executive to me either. Oh no! That's not a shot. Is it? Doesn't seem that never seemed like something he was interested in. I I could see maybe being a coach or maybe working with his son, but he just doesn't seem like a guy who would be happy sitting in the stands in a suit. I mean, I don't. You know, that's hard to picture too.
0: Yeah, he's not. He's not Nedved. You know, he he's not that. No. Not that type of guy. No. Um, and I also don't see him like taking English language courses <laughs> or something <Yes>. like that. <laughs> I mean, I guess if you're in Miami, you can get by with Spanish, but. Uh, and, you know, yeah. Maybe, sure. maybe he speaks a little Spanish, having the you know the okay. Italian connection, uh, or he'll be like a, an American tourist in Rome uh, that goes into the cafe and starts speaking Spanish, the, their high school Spanish, to the to the to to the Italians, being like it's you it's basically the same thing, right? You guys are, can all understand it. Maybe that'll be him down in Miami, just speaking Italian to all the Spanish people. Like, yeah, you, it's 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 close enough, right?
1: Yeah, I I, I, have, I have no idea what he's gonna do next, but it's gonna be a uh controversially the way I'm sure
0: so what did you think of his speech
1: you know I didn't know I had no idea any of this stuff was going on I don't um, I rely on uh, the illegal internet stream so to watch all the matches so I was watching that the ceremony came on and it cut out I was like oh god I gotta catch this And so it was broadcast on YouTube, and I remember when he started speaking, I literally went on Twitter. I'm like, oh, my God, he's talking. I'm like, why did I take Spanish? Why did I take Spanish? (laughs) So I I had no idea what he was saying. I mean, you can get the gist of it just by, you know, the look on his face and things like that. So you got the spirit of it. But when I went back and read it, it was way more eloquent than I thought because, you know, he's always sort of uh, derided for being a little… Boorish? Not not the most articulate guy having like, a wicked accent, I guess, but… It was that was remarkable. I thought it was very succinct, and I sort of it was beautiful.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I couldn't believe he talked for that long because I think the most yeah, I've it, ever yeah. most I've ever heard Francesco Totti say is a few one sentences in response to questions, where he, like you said, not necessarily articulate, but like just vanilla. You know, yeah. he, he always says. It's like he, uh, you know, he's like, I don't really like public speaking. All right, we'll just repeat these twenty phrases. Like, you know, the scene in Bull Durham when when Kevin Costner teaches Nuke, uh, you know, here's how how you give an a, a uh, an interview, you know, to the press. Right. Like, I figure, like that that was Francesco Toti. I remember like when I lived in Rome, um, mm-hmm. he was on this Tim commercial, and everyone just housed him for it because he was he was so doofy in it, and like. Like yeah. it, it seemed like he was Rocky Balboa or, you know, like, right. like, tr- like uh, Rick, the wild thing Vaughn, you know, trying to do the, trying to do the commercial and they probably do like a thousand takes and then to have him go out there and I mean, talk for 10, 15 minutes, you know, yeah, the, the, the pacing back and forth to me kind of made it superhuman that like, not like, like more I than mean, human, I, but like I very, very humanizing that. <laughs> that like, he's nervous. This is a big point in his life. And then to say things like, you know, kind of address what's happening and, and, uh, uh, you know, really acknowledge like the gravity of everything that you're like, you're, you're watching, you know, one of your heroes, uh, uh, totally ex- more exposed than you've ever seen them. It was, mm-hmm. and I thought it was pretty incredible. It's, it's going to be a, it's going to be a lasting memory for me. Cause I, I mean, I just don't have like my favorite baseball player of all time was Ricky Henderson. And I, I think he's still playing double A ball <laughs> somewhere. Like Probably. he never, you know, he was, he was, he was playing for some team when he was 50. You know, that it's like, awesome. that, so For there was sure. never like that, I'm going to read this, you know, he did he did the Hall of Fame speech and whatever, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, to have that, that, that go out dude. moment, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy. And we have DeRossi back, which, you know, finally, at, at, yeah. at 74 years old, he gets to be captain of Roma. <laughs>
1: um, oh, wow, that's, yeah, that sucks, doesn't it?
0: <laughs> every, every single time. That, so it seems like every the press coverage of DeRossi now, they ham up that he's captain. Yeah, they're like they refer to him as Roma Captain Daniele de Rossi and it it's it's odd to me. Like I got I got married a couple months or a little over a month ago and it's still like the ring on my finger. Like this this is an odd thing. Wait, de Rossi's action and he's my all time favorite player. Um, yeah. you know, is is uh, uh, uh you know finally <laughs> coming through on this dream that he uh, you know, the amount of times he's turned down other squads to go away because he sure. wants to play for Roma, and I think he wants to be Roma's captain outright. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, I well, first off, congratulations on getting married. Um Yeah, I, I agree completely with you. It's just sort of, in a way, I've always – he's been more uh, easy to identify with just because everything Tati did was so um magical. It's like I couldn't do that. But mm-hmm. De Rossi, not to sell him short, but, I mean, he's just – I don't know. He just seemed more relatable for whatever reason. He's just, you know, he's he does all the dirty work and he does it so well. He's Russell
0: Crowe. He's he's Maximus. You know, he's he's he's, he's got the beard. He's he's Rama's clenched fist.
1: Yeah, and, uh, he's like the uh, he's the presidential candidate you want to have a beer with. I think he's just um like a lunch pail guy. He just seemed more identifiable. So it is sort of cool that he's finally getting this honor. But I mean, he's been the de facto captain for the past two years simply because Tati wasn't playing. But um yeah, I guess it is sort of you know, horrifically ironic that he finally gets it in the last two years. Yeah. Um, hopefully he does something with it, but I, you know, to me, he he still personifies that spirit just because he's such an intense competitor and he really loves the club as much as anybody. So I think he's been living in the shadow for so long. I think you sort of um, forget his contributions aren't, while they're not quite as large as Tati's, they're still pretty damn big. And I still think they've still been pretty damn lucky to keep him too. So um, yeah. it's just sucks. So- have to go through this whole thing again in two years because I mean he's only going to be thirty six. I mean there's going to be people saying you know switch him to a defender, give him one more year. So it's going to be the same thing again. I think so. I'm not looking forward to that.
0: Yeah, I I, I do not want a a painful, cringeworthy uh, divorce. Yeah, you know, the second time around. Hopefully, hopefully they learn their lesson. Um, but he's got the midfield around him, and you know when Derosi's on Chuck. in in spurts in his career, he's arguably the best midfielder in the world, box to box. This season, yeah, you know, he has somewhat of a revival, but, you know, around him, we have Kevin Strootman, who miraculously, coming back from two knee surgeries, has turned back Definitely. into the Dutch Jesus, um, into the washing <laughs> machine, and then Nangalan, who has always been a, a bulldog talent for Roma. Mm-hmm. I was really happy when we got him from Cagliari. I call him Stripper Neck, because his neck looks like a stripper's back. Yeah. Um, you know, so, but he's blossomed into like one of the best midfielders in the world. Um, do you think that whatever this new coach comes in, even though we have the Capocannonieri, he's going to look to just build this team around that midfield?
1: I would think you you'd have to just because uh, well, I guess he's not that much older than Nagalon, but he's you know he's been so up and down, and he just relies on other people for service. So I don't think he's someone you could build a team around. But yeah, without a doubt, Nagalon I think is one of the top five midfielders in the world. So you'd be foolish not to. Um, I just think throughout this whole past, you know, 10 to 15 years, I think the midfield has been the one rock. They just had, you know, De Rossi and Parada and Pizarro and all these wonderful players. So that was one area in which they were never lacking. Um, what I'll be curious to see is whoever's running the team is what sort of role do they find for uh, Paredes? I mean, how much will he play? Is he just going to be against the weaker opponents? How's that going to work out? Because that is the one area in which they are pretty loaded. And there is, you know, a tooth and nail competition for playing time. But, um because of all that time, I think they'll be able to hide De Rossi's age. So I think he is in a good situation to end his career gracefully. But, yeah, I would I would think they would build around the midfield. Um, I mean, we'll see. I mean, a lot of it's going to depend on what happens with the Salah thing, if he's really gone or not. That's going to really impact the way they play and what they're going to have to go out and find. So it's, you know, the usual mess we go through every summer, right? Yeah, for sure.
0: Um, and if you ask any old Roman man, um, on the streets of Rome, he's going to be very optimistic that Messi or Ronaldo or Ibra uh, or Ibra or Zlatan is going to be at Roma next year. It's crazy. So they there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, Bren, I think that pretty much covers it. Uh, thanks for your time. Um, for everybody Absolutely. out there, please be sure if you haven't. If you're listening to this podcast and you haven't heard of Chiesa de Totti, I'm amazed by you, but... Um, please check out KSDTOTI.com www.KSDTOTI.com KS uh, is spelled C-H-I-E-S-A the Church of TOTI or TOTI's Church um, they're okay. also very prolific on social media they're on Twitter they're on Facebook they're on Instagram they're everywhere like, they're, they're everywhere Fokker um, like Robert <laughs> De Niro Jack Burns so check them out and while you're out uh, touring around the social media go ahead and check ours out Curve America all one word um, we are, all, of course, on, you can find the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Please subscribe, rate, and comment. That is that's what we love the most. Um, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, but to all the Curve Americans out there, hope you enjoyed this special episode with Bren of Casey DeToti. Bren, like I said, been a big fan of the publication for a long time. I've been reading it for, I think, about as long as you guys have been around. Uh, thanks nice. so much for taking the time. Um, and I, I hope we can have you back sometime.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I had a blast. Thank you for having me.
0: All right. Uh, Rigazzi, we say arrivederci.